Hey everyone, Kira Davis here. If you're like me, you're always looking for new ways to be healthier, be more fit. Well, eating better is easier than ever with Factors delicious ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian approved, and ready to go in just two minutes. You'll have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Also, there's more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. You've got your two-minute meals. You can fuel up fast with Factors restaurant-quality meals. They're ready to heat and eat whenever you are. You've got pancakes, smoothies, and a lot more than that. Discover a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites, and more. No prep, no mess. Factor meals are ready to heat and eat, so there's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup needed. I like this part a lot. Factor is flexible for your schedule. You can get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries at any time. My husband and I travel a lot for work, and some weeks we need more meals than others. So that is a huge plus. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, premium options with no cooking required. <laughs> I'm raising my hand. I'm not a very good cook, so I love that. Sign up and save. We've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. And y'all, don't we all want to save more money these days? Don't we all need to save more money these days so you can save money and eat right? What's not to love here? Well, check this out. If you go over to factormeals.com slash JLTY50 and you use code JLTY50, you'll get 50% off. Talk about saving money. So factor, F-A-C-T-O-R, factormeals.com slash J-L-T-Y 50 and use my code, my code, J-L-T-Y 50 and you'll get 50% off. That's code J-L-T-Y 50 at factormeals.com to get 50% off. Eating better has never been easier. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to, has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. American culture is at a crossroads. I'm Kira Davis, and in my new book, Drawing Lines, Why Conservatives Must Begin to Battle Fiercely in the Arena of Ideas, I challenge conservative Americans to stop retreating from the culture. I help you think critically through the pressing cultural issues of our day and offer practical advice and solutions. It's time for conservatives to make themselves uncomfortable and get engaged, get inspired, get moving, and get winning. Pick up a copy of my book, Drawing Lines, available on Amazon at faithfultext.com or wherever books are sold. This is the FCB Podcast Network. I pray the Lord, my soul today, that we won't stay, that we won't stay. All we got is us, no one can take that away. Pray the Lord, my soul today, that we won't lose faith, then we won't lose faith. All we got is us, no one can take that away. So don't lose faith, it's gonna be okay. 
Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Just Listen to Yourself with Kira Davis. I'm your host, Kira Davis, and this is a podcast where we take hot topics, hot button issues, and we discuss the talking points on those issues, and we draw those talking points all the way out to their logical conclusion. This is a podcast about persuasion, about thinking through our ideas, and today, dare I say this? Dare I say, I'm going to make it a short one. (laughs) I want to talk about representation. This is how it always goes. I had something completely different in mind. I read a story today. It really sort of tweaked me, got me going. And I thought, this is what I want to talk about. And I think this is better anyway, because the the episode I had planned for today, I I want to dig into... um, sex ed. I want to dig into some of the sex ed discussions we're having in curriculum. And I want to talk about if we need sex ed in schools anymore. I want to dig through that idea, but I want to give it a little more thought. And this one is sort of a a flow of thought topic, the topic of representation and what that means. and, And do we need it? Do we need to be worried about representation? How important is representation, particularly when it comes to black representation. And that's the point of view that I'm going to attack this from, because a lot of the issues that we're having and discussions we're having and, and debates we're having center around the idea like, oh, there's not enough black XYZ, just like insert whatever. And, and I'll, well, hell, I'll get into it. You know what, let me just get started. I'm also getting ready to head out the door to go to Dallas. I am participating in the Babylon Bee's first live podcast and live show. It's actually a whole show. It's so cool. They've got so many fun things planned. They're doing it in Dallas. And I am so honored that they invited me to join them there. So I will be on stage for a a portion of the show. But they've got it's like a variety show. It's really cool. You guys are really going to love it. From what I've seen, I haven't seen it all. I'm going to be kind of enjoying it just like you guys, um, in, in, a, in a sense. And so I've got to go prepare for that and get ready for that. So this week, I thought, you know what, let's talk, let, let's tackle the free flowing thing I had. And I'll leave the thing that's going to require me to do just a little bit more research. I'll just leave that until next week. Next week, I'll also be gone for CPAC, I guess, but I'll make sure you have something don't worry. And I have been getting also responses to my episode on Black History Month and whether or not we need that. I made a case for and against it. And I'd love to know what you think. So keep those responses coming in. JLTY at ProtonMail.com. JLTY at ProtonMail.com. Don't forget my book is still out there. If you want to go get my book, it's Drawing Lines, Why Conservatives Must Begin to Battle Fiercely in the Arena of Ideas. You can go to Amazon.com to get that and check out my new podcast, which is How Inappropriate where we discuss older movies and we talk about all of the things that we can never make today when it comes to those movies. I've got a lot on my plate, maybe too much, but you know what? I don't know. I don't have any chill. (laughs) I got no chill. I've always been that way. So I would love to say like, yeah, I'm going to get to this place where I'm I'm doing, you know, self-love and self-healing. I'm going to like indulge in some relaxation time. I don't think so. I don't think that's happening anytime soon. Actually, and I'm actually considering my trip to CPAC. For those of you that don't know what CPAC is, it's a it's the annual conservative political action conference. It, it, it happens every year in DC, except a couple times in Florida during the pandemic. 
they're back to DC. So it's like, a, it's like, it's business. You know, I go there to do my business, but I'm not going as a part of my day job this year at redstate.com. They didn't want to send me this year. So I'm just sort of going on my own. So in a way that will be my relaxation time. I, I'm not going to be pressed to get sort of my day job business done every day. I can kind of take it easy. I sound like a maniac. You know what? I just heard an interview with Tom Cruise about what what does he like to do to relax? What makes him happy? And he said, I don't do I don't do anything to relax. He said, I work all the time. That is what I do. It's what I want to do. It's how I live my life. He was on a press tour for I think Top Gun or something. And, and he, he was like, this is relaxation to me. The doing the media, the press tour is relaxation because I'm not on a set. I'm not filming. I'm not like working every day. And that's as close as I get to it. In fact, his, one of his Mission Impossible directors said that they were filming one year. They were filming on his birthday and something happened and that day of production just went into the can like they couldn't do it for whatever reason the weather or they had to shut down because of the city they were in I don't know and so the director said you know what it's your birthday why don't you just take the day off go do something and Tom Cruise is like well no if we don't have to film today then we need to go in and we need to to talk more about this action scene and that action scene and how it's going to get done like we've got stuff we can be doing if we're not filming so Am I the Tom Cruise of podcasting, you guys? <laughs> I'm not nearly as cool, but I do my own stunts. I do. I do my own stunts on this podcast, believe it or not. Let's get going. I, I want to I talk about this idea of representation that just came and smacked me in the face today. I felt like I had to address it. I couldn't let it go. It's just rolling around in my head and I couldn't let it go. So I was, I was perusing through... Um, Twitter. And I saw a tweet from it was a tweet from Canada. It was a Canadian tweet from the CBC, the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation here in America, the CBC is the Congressional Black Caucus. In Canada, it's a TV station. And the CBC Canada says black people in Canada's wine industry are pushing for more representation. A black winemaker is encouraging young people of color to get into the industry. Black people in Canada's wine industry say they are underrepresented, underrepresented, and it is time to examine the culture and break down barriers that hold it back. And I, I remember, and I've probably talked about this before on the show, but I remember recently I read an article about how black people are underrepresented in fashion photography. And it made me think like, well, how many black people are available, period, to go into fashion photography? And it just seeing that article from the CBC, thinking about that photography article, it got me to thinking, why are we so pressed to have black people represented everywhere in this country or North America? This is a Canadian thing uh, everywhere. Um, and it seems like we're not having a conversation about the logistics of that. <laughs> Do we need representation everywhere all the time? Does every race need to be represented in every company, in every business, in every field? Let's break that down today. Let's ask that question. Let's, let's break down this idea. So the first thing I did was I went to the internet and I just typed in the words, need more black representation, 
in. And I didn't put anything else. I just decided, well, let's see what comes up. And so here is a sampling of the articles that came up on Google when I Googled need more black representation in. Need more black uh, representation in TV and film. Need more black representation in Alzheimer's clinics. Need more black representation in politics. Need more black lawyers. Need more black workers in tech. Need more black workers in tech conferences. Need more black podcasters. Need more black representation in the fashion world. Need more black representation in photography. I'm going to get to that one. That actually was an interesting article. Need more black people in heart failure research. Need more representation in media. Need more black doctors. Need more black child welfare workers. Need more black representation in women's issues. Need more black representation in health and healthcare issues. Need more black police officers. Need more black doctors. Need more black people in STEM. Need more black people in marketing. I'll stop there. I pretty much covered everything. Need more black people is, I mean, you just type those words in and a bunch of articles come up. And I thought, okay, and fair enough. I mean, in this day and age, when we're having the race conversation nonstop all the time, we have it all the time on this show. Uh, obviously, at some point, some writer, particularly a writer of color, is going to have an article that talks about more black representation in whatever industry they're in or involved in. It's sort of par for the course, particularly when you get to months like this, like February, Black History Month. It's going to happen. And so I thought, okay, and, I, and I'm not making any judgment on this just yet, although I'm going to come to a judgment, I think, later on. And those of you who have been with me from the beginning of the show probably already know where I come down on this. But my my position is a nuanced one, I believe. And so I, uh, I thought, all right, well, fair enough. We need more black people in XYZ. But I was like, I was reading this one article that talked about how we don't have enough. It was from NPR and like, we don't have enough representation in politics. It says 89% of elected office holders nationwide are white. It summarized a podcast that two people were doing about getting more black representation. It actually said black representation in politics is going up at the state level, not necessarily at the federal level. So there is that representation. But what, how much... How much of your cabinet, your Congress, your state house needs to be black before we stop going? We need more black representation. Like that might be the number one question I would ask in this whole conversation. When is enough enough? When do we feel like we've reached a solution? That's the whole problem with the race conversation period. We never there's never this time where we where we can feel like we've we've reached some kind of solution. This past week at work, I wrote an article. It was kind of hilarious. These ladies, these women, I, I, I don't think I'm supposed to call us ladies anymore. Women, people, persons with vaginas. We, the, these women were on Twitter. It was black Twitter. I was trolling black Twitter. And this one woman who calls herself a diversity, equity, and inclusion 
educator was complaining that she's not getting any work getting any work this black history month and this is usually the month when she gets most of her work and she hasn't gotten any job offers and it actually sparked responses from dozens of other DEI educators people who who you who are educating in critical race theory and racial sensitivity all of that good stuff and and there it was just post after post after post, even pe with people who had a huge following. I went and looked up some of these people. They're best-selling authors. They have huge followings. They're regular speakers across the nation at elite universities and institutions. And even they were saying, yeah, I've got, I usually have 30 bookings during the month of Black History Month. And this month I had two. One lady was like, I I usually have hundreds of inquiries during Black History Month. And this month I had none. No one has asked and no one is hiring. They And so then they started going back and forth about, well, why is that? Some of the respondents said, well, you know what? It's not, we're not the hot thing anymore, basically. the During the Black Lives Matter surge, these companies were kind of jumping on board. They wanted to get their little sticker that goes on the front page of their website. Boom, done. They're not racist anymore and they can move on with their marketing plans. So some women are saying, you know, that they, they just used us just like they always use us. They always use black people to get what they want, get what they need. And then they toss us to the side. I think that's one explanation and it's a fair explanation, but not a single person on that thread posited that maybe they did their jobs really well maybe the between the dozens of them that were on that thread surely they've hit a large portion of the institutions in this country that would spend twenty thousand dollars on a dei instructor <laughs> to meet some whatever benchmarks surely they've hit a lot of those maybe they've done such a good job that they're solving racism in those places of course the answer that's not the answer a you're never going to solve racism i say it all on this show all the time racism is sin it can't be solved it can be mitigated it can be talked through uh, it can be legislated against but it's never going to be solved and the other thing is that, yeah, of course, I absolutely do believe that a lot of this stuff from the from corporate America was grossly insincere and just jumping on a bandwagon and trying not to get hit with the shrapnel from cancel culture. I believe that that was a large part of it. But there's no benefit in solving any of this because then there's a whole bunch of people that are just out of work. Look at how those people were complaining that they were out of work. They weren't like, Oh, I see things getting better. They none of them even had any like may, none of them even thought to to express that perhaps they were doing their jobs poorly if they feel like they have to keep going out there and doing this work over and over again. There was no sense of like the impact that they were having. It was all someone else's fault. There was no discussion on like maybe we're so good that we're solving this or maybe we're so bad that we're really not solving this. Racism hasn't gone away. We're not helping white people break out of their privilege and they're just fed up with us. You know, there's no, they never, I mean, I, I wouldn't explain anything less, but there was never, there was no self-reflection in, in that thread. 
Hey everyone, Kira Davis here. If you're like me, you're always looking for new ways to be healthier, be more fit. Well, eating better is easier than ever with Factors delicious ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to go in just two minutes. You'll have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Also, there's more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. You've got your two-minute meals. You can fuel up fast with Factors restaurant-quality meals. They're ready to heat and eat whenever you are. You've got pancakes, smoothies, and a lot more than that. Discover a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites, and more. No prep, no mess. Factor meals are ready to heat and eat, so there's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup needed. I like this part a lot. Factor is flexible for your schedule. You can get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries at any time. My husband and I travel a lot for work, and some weeks we need more meals than others, so that is a huge plus. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, premium options with no cooking required. <laughs> I'm raising my hand. I'm not a very good cook, so I love that. Sign up and save. We've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. And y'all, don't we all want to save more money these days? Don't we all need to save more money these days so you can save money and eat right? What's not to love here? Well, check this out. If you go over to factormeals.com slash JLTY50 and you use code JLTY50, you'll get 50% off. Talk about saving money. So factor, F-A-C-T-O-R, factormeals.com slash J-L-T-Y 50 and use my code, my code, J-L-T-Y 50 and you'll get 50% off. That's code J-L-T-Y 50 at factormeals.com to get 50% off. Eating better has never been easier. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, y'all. This is Allie Michelle. I'm a conservative social media influencer that has been censored by big tech. So I broke away from the restrictions and started a podcast called Pillow Talk with Allie Michelle. My show is a space to have real conversations about the issues that impact our everyday lives without the fear of being canceled by the big tech tyrants. Subscribe to Pillow Talk with Allie Michelle, an FCB podcast on Apple, Spotify, iHeart, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's Allie, A-L-I-I. Come check out my show. I'll see you there. 
is representation what we're chasing or is peace what we're chasing? Like, what are we chasing when we talk about representation? Because a lot has been done in this country to reverse the gross discrimination and racism that our country has suffered through for throughout our history. We have slavery, we have Jim Crow laws, we have redlining, and certainly there are racist people that still exist, absolutely. And there are institutions that are tainted by racism. I believe the government schools are one of those institutions. But we've come a long way on the representation front, if you know what I mean. So how will we know when we get there? That's a question to ask. Is there a point? Should it be 50-50? Should it be 50% black and then 50% everyone else? 50% people of color and 50% white people? I don't I don't know. Is there is there a number or do we need to really dig into the percentage of black people and then that's got to be the percentage of people represented in your company. Black people represent 13% of the United States population. Does that mean that your paper company Dunder Mifflin, let's say, needs 13% of their employees to be black. Is that what we're aiming for too? And then if that's what we're aiming for, that seems like an impossible number at the moment. <laughs> and I'll tell you why. I went and I looked at the statistics, the population statistics. How many black people do we have in this country? I say this often. It's a really nice thing to say, hey, we need more representation in this field or that field. But what are we asking for? When we, when we say more representation, there's only so many of us to go around. We're only 13% of America's population. So I, I looked up a few very basic statistics given to us from the last census. Black people right now represent about 46.8 million people in the United States, a respectable number. It's a 29% increase from the year 2000 when there were 36.2 million black Americans. Now, we're not having babies. That number isn't because we're out there having tons of babies. We're actually aborting our babies at a shocking rate. They're counting as black people, a lot of people who come from other um, nations, immigrants, and who count themselves as black on a survey. So sometimes some of these people aren't what we would say are African-American. I suppose that's neither here nor there at the end of the day when we're talking about race. If we want to dig into issues more like cultural issues and cultural divides, maybe that's a conversation we have. But, but for now, for purposes of this conversation, it's neither here nor there. Right now, the percentage of people in the United States who call themselves black Americans is 46.8 million all right, a respectable number representing about 13%. But now you're when you're talking about a workforce, let's take let's take the STEM fields for example. We want more representation in STEM careers, STEM career paths. All right. We know that we only have 13% of the American population to work with when we're talking about more, quote, black representation in STEM fields. Well, now we have to look at the portion of those people who are available to work. So about, and I'm, I'm rounding out these numbers here, but about 11 million people are baby boomer and older. So they're retired. Gen X makes up another 9 million of those people. And Gen X is pushing 
close to retirement too. So now you're looking at people who have, they are already on their career path or close to the end of the career path, right? Uh, Gen Xers are, we're, we're getting up in age. (laughs) My son's in college someday soon. He, God willing, please God, he's going to settle down and start a family. You know, I'm on, I'm closer to retirement than I am to figuring out what I want to do with the rest of my life. So there's a large portion of that Gen X crowd that that is not going to be included in pushing into to these fields where we need representation. Let's just be generous. We'll say, well, let's just peel off a million. We'll say it's still like there's still like eight million people in Gen X that are available to work. Then you go to the millennials. That's that's a, a huge chunk. That's 11 million people. So millennials are all working age right now. And uh, then you go to Gen Z, that's another 11 million people. Now, Gen Z is still represented in my in my daughter's age group. So there's a large portion of Gen Z that can't yet go into the workforce. They're getting there. They're getting very close. We're, we're coming on to the tail end of Gen Z. I don't know what the generation after Z is. Um, who names these these things? Do you know JLTY at ProtonMail.com? How do we decide the names of these generations? I've always actually liked the names we come up with, but um, I don't know who is the one person that gets to to set the name. And how fun is that, that you get to be the decider (laughs) of what we call every generation? I want that job. So we've got about 11 million Gen Zers getting ready to enter the workforce. Let's peel off like... I don't know. Let's peel off like 3 million. I'm guessing. I'm just like really guessing here. But let's just peel off 3 million aren't ready for the workforce. Okay. And then we have another 5 million that are six years old or under. So they're not they're not going to work. Uh, they should. Our stupid child labor laws. But no, the mooches. No, no, obviously, obviously, everybody, I'm not in favor of child labor. I mean, I am in favor of some forms of child labor. I think teenagers should be allowed to work. But um, no, so that's a that's a population of people that aren't going to work. So in my estimation, we've got about of the 46.8 million black Americans, uh, roughly about half of that can can work 25 to 27 million in theory, available for the workforce. Workforce. Let's make. Let's be generous and make it twenty-seven million. Now you're down to about seven point eight percent of the black population that is possibly within the range to work. That's where I'll end all the math. But what I'm, you can see now that these numbers start to peel down, right? And then what, what, what do you get from that twenty-seven million? You know, how many of those people want to go into photography? What makes a person want to be a photographer? I mean, I don't have any of those answers, but I'm just saying like how many of those 26 million people want to be photographers? Could it be enough to make the black representation in the photography industry 13%? Out of the 7.8% of black Americans that you have to pull pull from, can you make 13% of the fashion industry black, of the fashion photography industry black? You know what I mean? Posit that out. Draw the, Can you make 13% of the set STEM career paths black out of that? Because STEM is especially I used that because it's such a a specific career model. And there's all there's been all kinds of efforts to bring more women into the STEM fields. And and the progressive left acts as if it's because 
the STEM fields are just rife with misogyny and women can't get in there. And not to say that misogyny doesn't exist, but they completely ignore human nature, that th that these are not career paths that most women, the majority of women want to go into. That's that's it. It's just like there. Are you going to get half of your fire? Like we're split gender down the middle about there's few there's few more women um, in the world than men. There's more women than men. But for all intents and purposes, we're split down the middle. Uh, but we don't have a 50-50 firefighting force. Is it because firefighters hate women? Well, no, I'm, I'm imagining most of them love women. But most women don't want to be firefighters. It's not the area they want to go into. It, it doesn't speak to our physical abilities. It doesn't speak to our emotional sensibilities. There are other fields that are more welcoming for the psychology and personalities of women. And that's not even women going, you know what? I just don't have the psychological profile to be a firefighter. It's just innate. So why are we trying to force it? It's the same with STEM. Why would we try to force that? So we're already looking at a field that is very narrow. No matter what your race or gender, it's very narrow. And then are we really thinking we're going to get to a 13% representation of black people in the STEM fields? Is that even realistic? You've got 7% of the population to pull from. Now think about that list I read to you at the beginning of the podcast. We need more representation in winemaking and doctors, lawyers, STEM fields, film and television, yada, 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 goes on and on. Are each one of that, those fields expected to pull from the 7.8% of, of black people who are eligible? These are This is just, to my mind, the group that's eligible. I don't even know how many of that 7.8% uh, of, of eligible workers is even qualified to work. Maybe some of them are disabled. Some of them are mentally handicapped. Some of them are lazy and don't want to work. Some of them won't have the education and won't want to get the education to, to do some of these jobs. Like, oh my gosh, the more you think about it, the more that number just gets sliced, sliced, sliced. So are we really supposed to think that in film, they need 13% of us? That's going to be the goal to get there. In politics, 13%. In construction, 13%. Doctors, 13%. Lawyers, 13%. STEM fields, 13%. Shoemakers, 13%. Winemakers, 13%. We're going to run out of people. <laughs> We're not, we don't have the numbers to make this type of representation goal achievable. Maybe someday we'll get to a point in this country where half the country is black and, and then we can talk. But the truth is the majority of America and it might sound crazy when you look around and particularly when we look at the numbers of South Americans streaming over our southern border, you might think, oh, no, America's pretty diverse. But it's still actually is the majority of America still is white for now. So it's not weird when white people dominate any area. That's not weird. Now that now that being said, is representation something we should be aiming for and something that we need? Well, I'm going to say this. I don't think we need to be forcing a certain number in order to, quote, achieve representation. I don't think that's fair. And from everything that I've read, I went and I looked up articles. I read all kinds of articles about what representation would look like to these people in this industry. And most people quoted the numbers, right? They quoted the numbers of black people and they said, this is how many black people are, are, are in this country, but yet we only have 
you know, point two percent represented in this industry. Well, I don't think it's fair, given the numbers that I just gave you, I don't think it's fair to say that we need X amount of representation. I think it's unrealistic when you're looking at that pool of 7.88%, let's even be generous, 9%, that pool is getting more and more fractured. It's just a statistical impossibility to my mind. Okay, so I want to close out this discussion by talking about what I think is good representation and why I think we need it. I don't think, I think it is absolutely ridiculous to look at the numbers as we just did and go, okay, we need, I just even, I hate the idea. It just makes me itch. We need this X amount of black people on our staff. Like once you start counting black people, isn't that weird? Like that's dangerous. Um, and once you, once you have like this hard number, it just feels so clinical when the whole purpose of the quote representation conversation, Hey, look at me. I'm Jesse Jackson representation conversation is that we're talking about people having equal access, right? We're talking about opportunity. I think that's what the whole purpose of it is. So no, I don't, I, I don't like the idea of quotas. I think I've done affirmative action on this show. I might go back to it at some point. I'm not a fan of, I'm a, of affirmative action. And I, because again, I don't like the quota issues. It makes me uncomfortable and they get abused. They never, I think when human beings get into quotas, it always ends up skewing into the fringes. We can't help ourselves. We're, we're, we are living in the fringes right now because of all these slippery slopes that, that, that have started out with good intentions. So I don't want us to get there. Hey everyone, Kira Davis here. If you're like me, you're always looking for new ways to be healthier, be more fit. Well, eating better is easier than ever with Factors Delicious ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to go in just two minutes. You'll have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Also, there's more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. You've got your two-minute meals. You can fuel up fast with Factors restaurant-quality meals. They're ready to heat and eat whenever you are. You've got pancakes, smoothies, and a lot more than that. Discover a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites, and more. No prep no mess. Factor meals are ready to heat and eat, so there's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup needed. I like this part a lot. Factor is flexible for your schedule. You can get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries at any time. My husband and I travel a lot for work, and some weeks we need more meals than others, so that is a huge plus. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, premium options with no cooking required. <laughs> I'm raising my hand. I'm not a very good cook, so I love that. Sign up and save. We've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. And y'all, don't we all want to save more money these days? Don't we all need to save more money these days so you can save money and eat right? What's not to love here? Well, check this out. If you go over to factormeals.com slash JLTY50 and you use code JLTY50, you'll get 50% off talk about saving money. 
So Factor, F-A-C-T-O-R, factormeals.com slash J-L-T-Y 50 and use my code, my code, J-L-T-Y 50 and you'll get 50% off. That's code J-L-T-Y 50 at factormeals.com to get 50% off. Eating better has never been easier. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, y'all. This is Allie Michelle. I'm a conservative social media influencer that has been censored by big tech. So I broke away from the restrictions and started a podcast called Pillow Talk with Ally Michelle. My show is a space to have real conversations about the issues that impact our everyday lives without the fear of being canceled by the big tech tyrants. Subscribe to Pillow Talk with Ally Michelle and FCB podcast on Apple, Spotify, iHeart, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's Allie, A-L-I-I. Come check out my show. I'll see you there. So when I was doing my little Google search, we need black representation in, I came across, we need more black representation in photography. And I started to read it, maybe was rolling my eyes just a little bit. But the article actually had some interesting things to say. One of the things that I, I won't read you the whole thing, but but or I won't read it at all. It's just it's an article on Shutterstock. And um, one of the reasons why it said the article posited that they need more black, black photographers, even in stock photo- photography, that was particularly the position this was coming from is because of point of view is because of perspective. So they say and in the Shutterstock article that only 1% of professional photographers are black. That's pretty low. But again, I don't know what the percentage is supposed to be. I don't know what the percentage of that 7.8% that we're you know, pretending represents the working middle of the of the black population. I don't know what population of that 1% probably seems like that's probably a decent amount of black photographers when you think of how many black people are in the country and how many actually go into photographer photography. But I love the idea of encouraging black people to go into photography because one of the things they talked about, especially in stock photography, is how the black person has a different perspective. So I run into this issue all the time when I'm writing. You always need images to go with your stories. Images are almost as important as your headline. At work, because I work for a corporation, we can only use licensed images, and they're usually through the Associated Press. So you have a little account with Associated with the Associated Press or Getty Images. You use those; you've paid for them, so you're not going to get sued. You're not going to get any copyright strikes. But a lot of times, when you're just working on your own little individual blog, you can go to non-licensed websites like Pixabay, and you can get different images 
for general stories. Like say I'm doing a story on basketball. I don't want to use a picture of a professional basketball player. I just I just need a general picture of kids playing basketball. I can go to a free site like Pixabay or I can go to a site like Shutterstock, which will have a higher quality of uh, stock images and I can pay for those stock images. Those are very important in the writing industry and in the web industry for reasons I'm sure I don't have to explain. Extremely important. Well, I often have trouble finding images of black people. Sometimes I'll write an essay, an article on race relations. I, I'm thinking of one that I wrote, and I don't know why this sticks in my mind, but it was a few years ago, and it was on the importance of of uh, the black nuclear family. And I wanted a picture of a mom, like a black family. That's all I wanted: a mom, a dad, and two kids. And I didn't. I don't have a Shutterstock account. There wasn't anything in the AP that that I that I in the AP library that I felt comfortable using because you're also using news images, right? They all come with captions. So sometimes you want to use a nice picture, but it has a really like for a nice essay, but has a really inappropriate caption like, oh, this family holds hands after they lost their entire family to a tornado. Like you can't you can't just use any image because they come with descriptions. And sometimes to use that seems heartless depending on the content that you're writing and so I was looking for a, a just a free non-licensed picture of a black family and it was really hard I couldn't find pictures of minority skin tones or I was like okay maybe just people people holding hands and I'll just have a picture of the hands and I was having so much trouble finding a picture of black hands holding each other and and um I don't think that's because the people who run that website, the free website I was looking at, which is Pixabay, P-I-X-A-B-A-Y. I use that all the time. But I don't think it's that Pixabay has some kind of racist policy where they're like, we only take so many black photos. I think it's because, as this person is saying who wrote this article, most of the people in the industry aren't black. I would venture to say most are white. And people artists represent the community from their own point of view. That is what an artist does. An artist is sort of mirroring what they see. And I think part of being an artist is you see yourself a little bit in everything or, or a version of yourself that you want to be or a feeling that is in yourself, you know, that, that you recognize from a time in your life. There's, there is a big piece of you in the art that you make. So it's only natural I think this goes for Hollywood, for TV, for film. I think it's only natural that white people are going to write stories about white people, cast white people. I think it's it's only natural that a guy like George R. R. Martin, who wrote the Game of Thrones series, uh, who is an old white guy, it's only natural that in his mind, the characters that he has envisioned are all white. He's not creating a a, a fantasy race of of people battling for the soul of a kingdom. He's not portraying them as all black because that's not the world he lives in. He's writing, he's writing a version of the world that feels familiar. Same with um, J.R. Tolkien. You know how in his mind, he probably envisioned all of those characters as white skinned because that was his reality. That's the lens he saw the world through. I have had a chance to watch Rings of Power, by the way, and I know that we're all into diversifying everything, but it drives me crazy when 
it i i'm so sorry i know this is so wrong as a as an actor myself a trained actor and someone who's kind of getting back into the biz with my babylon b work i i know this is crazy but it drives me nuts when i see fantasy stories i'm such a nerd at that where where they've purposefully diversified everything and it makes no sense like i want to know why are there in this world where people where it takes people months or years to cross seas it's not like here where we get on a plane and immigrate to someplace it bothers me if i see one of everybody in a village or something i don't need that this is the village that's in the far north it's perfectly fine for them to be white to me or the village that is from the middle east that those people are are darker hued or you have browner skin you know i just it drives me crazy when they're like we're going to diversify this it really takes me it feels so modern it takes me out of that realm anyway that's a sidebar but um to get back to my point people see the world through their own lenses and i don't think there's anything wrong with that i think we all have to work put in effort to see outside of our lenses if you will and I believe that goes for everybody. If that's what you want to do, by the way, you don't have to do that. If that's what you want to do, if you want to make an effort to make your art more diverse, it means having to put in a little extra work. Well, you don't have that many black photographers, so they're not taking the pictures that they see through their lens. It's like, okay, let's take my two lives here. My my life in, in the hood in Gary, Indiana, my life in the suburbs now in Orange County. So when I'm telling a story to somebody and I'm saying, yeah, I ran into this lady at the store and she said X, Y, Z and then did ABC. Unless I'm pointing out the race of that person, I'm probably talking about a white person. And I think most people around me would assume I'm talking about a white person, not because I, not because we all think white people are better, but white people are the majority here. And so chances are, if you're talking about a person and you're just telling a flippant story, the, the person you're going to imagine, unless I say otherwise, is probably going to be white. And maybe they weren't white. You know, maybe that's just completely irrelevant to the story. But where our minds go will be to white people because that's just the environment we live in. But now if I live in Gary, Indiana, where almost everyone is black and every day all of our experiences with each other, with strangers on the street, with people at the store, all of our at school, everywhere, our experiences are with black people. If I tell that same story about meeting a woman at the store and she said X, Y, Z and then ABC, the, the chances are that the people around me are thinking that that woman is black. They are imagining her to be black unless I mention her race again not because those people are prejudiced not because they think oh black is better but because we, that's the norm for that community right that's that's what we're seeing in our minds because that's what we see through our lenses every day and so that's what I mean when I say perspective is everything. And that's what this article is saying. And, and I think that's where I fall down on representation. I don't need quotas or numbers, but I do need people to be a little bit deliberate about the people they invite into their businesses, into their creative projects that that sometimes you might say, okay, I, I'm just looking at the world through my lens. And that means that the people I meet and see and talk to every day are white. And so that's going to be the people that I hire naturally, because that's who's around me. That's who I'm attracted to. But you might have to go a little bit outside yourself and be a little bit deliberate and say, you know what I do? I actually want some Asian women on this staff 
because they're going to see the world a little bit differently, maybe not that differently, but just a little bit differently. It'll be enough nuance to add the layers that we need to be the best business or company or creative project that we can be. Shutterstock making an effort to hire more black photographers gives them more black photos, gives them more of the black experience represented in their photos. Not because those people are going to come in and go, we need more black people, more representation. Maybe some do, but mostly because those people will just photograph what they see from where they are and where they are is different from where you are or where you may be. So that is why I think representation is important and why it does need to be pursued. And I think it needs to be deliberate, by the way, because we all tend to stay in the familiar. And that, again, is a normal human trait. That's not white. That's not black. That's a normal human trait. When I was running my after school program in Gary, I can't tell you how um, odd it was to see white people come through there. And it it made me want to specifically find white volunteers to work with our kids. Now, all my staff was black. That's who I hired. That's who was around. That's how I saw the world around me. All my kids were black, you know, so that was our world. And it just seemed that's familiar. Those were the people walking through the door. Those were the people filling in the applications. And and those were the people that I felt comfortable with at the time. But the day I got a, a young college boy who was a white intern, that was the day I realized, oh, we need more perspective here. We need that guy. And the kids were just fascinated with him. They they really were. I've never he was he he came in and it was iffy at first. It was really they tr- they tried to treat him so bad at first, but he was just so nice. And and eventually the kids just loved him. They hated to see him go. Um <laughs> but but we needed that perspective because it was different than what we had and I wasn't thinking outside the box. I was seeing things through my lens. So I had to be deliberate, right? Because those white people weren't walking through my door. I had to be deliberate about going and finding that person just to have that different perspective. So I know a lot of you are out, are out there. And I feel like I, I know that this is, uh, it might be a stale conversation for some of you. I've talked about these concepts at length before, but this is on my mind and I really wanted to get it out there. I know a lot of people say to themselves, Uh, It's wrong. I don't see color. It's wrong to look at color when you see people. But if you're a business person or a creative person, I think that it's fine to see color in the respect that you're seeing culture and you're seeing perspective. So you don't need to have the quotas. Again, I think that's ridiculous. We're 13% of the population. There's only so many of us to go around. If you think you're going to make 13% of your business black across the spectrum, I think that is pie in the sky thinking. That's silliness. But I don't see anything wrong. And in fact, I see everything right with being deliberate about going and grabbing different perspectives. Because again, those people, it's not that it's not that there's anything wrong with you or with them. It's just that even our defaults are even different. You know what I mean? Like the default for a black photographer might be a black person. Those are the people they'll see on the street. They'll want to take the picture. Those are the people that we will be around them. Those are the people that they're imagining in their mind when they hear a random story about a lady at the store. Those are the colors that they give to the characters in the books that they read. Because you're just going where your mind takes you. And your mind takes you to the familiar. 
I say this all the time. I think this is really important in conservative media, especially because we are so married to this colorblind narrative that we don't understand that part of the problem with outreach to the black voting community is that we don't have perspective. And we don't have the perspective because we don't invite the perspective. We find, we think inviting the perspective is some, is wrong. We think that that's discriminatory and it's not, it's wise really. And, and any good business should want to do that. Now, should, you shouldn't be a slave to diversity. Of course not. You can't make diversity an idol. I preach against that all the time, but I don't think that the, that the antidote to making diversity an idol is pretending that diversity it doesn't matter at all. And that, and so the Shutterstock article, just finding a, a generic photograph for me to use in some of my pieces, like that, that brought it home for me. I was like, that's why you would want more black photographers. They're going to see the world through a slightly, just a slightly different lens. Their default's going to be a little different than a white photographer or an Asian photographer. And you want all those perspectives. Anyways, uh, if I haven't bored you to death with this, you reach out to me, um, jlty at protonmail.com, jlty at protonmail.com. Let me know how you feel. I am going to get off this mic and go pack up for the Babylon Bee. I'll be in Dallas. It's cold on this side of the country this week. I mean, I know some of you would turn up your nose. It's 53 today and I'm like freezing. <laughs> it's cold. So uh, I'll have to pack my winter coat, you guys, to go to Dallas. But uh, it should be a good time. And I'm sure that the show will be available to you online at a later date. Holler if you're going to be in D.C. for CPAC, folks. Um, I'm going to be there. Let's do a meetup. JLTY at ProtonMail.com. Or hit me up on Twitter at Real Kira Davis. All right. Don't forget to check out my new podcast, How Inappropriate. Share that with everybody. Rate it. Review it. If you bought my book, would you go leave a review on Amazon? A nice one, please. <laughs> Give me five stars and leave me a review. It helps so much. And don't forget that Amelia and I are also podcasting every week at A Very Merry Podcast. I will see you guys. Well, I hope to see some of you in person next week at CPAC. That would be awesome. Again, let me know if you're going to be there. But until we meet again, every once in a while, just stop and listen to yourself. I pray the Lord, my soul today, that we won't lose faith and we won't lose faith. All we got is us, no one can take that away. Yeah. So don't lose faith, it's gonna be okay. I pray the Lord, my soul today, that we won't lose faith and we won't lose faith. All we got is us, no one can take that away. Yeah. So don't lose faith, it's gonna be okay. This has been a presentation of the FCB Podcast Network, where real talk lives. Visit us online at fcbpodcasts.com.